0: Let's talk a little bit about understanding and evaluating herbal research today okay
1: let's do it we happen to have with us yakas little from vital force natural health and occupy medical
2: that's right happy to be here
0: thank you for coming
2: thanks so so, so we're going to jump right into it jump Just right stay. in we're, right we're in. talking jump about right understanding in. herbal so, research yeah um
0: there's a lot of it out there.
2: There is a lot of it out there. It's a really messy and confusing time for the herbalist to figure out what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, as there is more and more information out about herbal medicines, there's much more and more misinformation simultaneously. So a lot of what we get is, of course, just based on marketing, um, which is going to be the poorest source of uh, any information <laughs> in yeah. general. But, um but then there's all sorts of research that's also uh, done in scientific studies, and it can be useful to look at what some of those types of studies are and what kind of conclusions can we draw from them regarding how herbs actually work in a human body, people, and what kinds of things don't. Yeah. What kinds of things uh, research can't we draw any conclusions from? Um, right. We'll go through that real quick, maybe.
0: Good. Well, all yeah, right. there's definitely that famous Comfrey study.
2: You've the comfrey about. study, the yeah. The big comfrey
0: study in which it's they – It's been
2: misquoted a lot.
0: and they pumped rats full of, like, pounds of comfrey or something like that, and they used that as their evaluation point.
1: Oh, I don't know. I was thinking of the one that they did in the 60s, and they, they took a whole bunch of comfrey, and then they tried to figure out what the PAs were and different ones, and people just from that, they instead of reading the actual study, they just said, oh, PAs are bad for you, and comfrey has it, therefore you should never have comfrey as opposed to what the study was actually about, which is different comfrey at different elevations in different parts of the country has different levels of PAs. Oh, thanks. Nice. So, it was, so just, it was
2: referring to the, the puridazoline, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, alkaloids mm-hmm. that, are, yeah. that can cause this uh, hepatic veno-occlusive disease. You can lead to right. liver failure. Um, yeah. PAs are, are one thing right there. Although comfrey does actually cause you know, hepatic venoocclusive disease. If used in very large amounts, extremely yeah. large, for a significant period of time. Yeah, that was yeah. the rat
0: study where they they did the the dose they were giving the rats was so huge. huge. As a human being, you would have to like drink right. or take consume like right. an entire kitchen full. Of- and some people yeah, were yeah. doing that.
1: We had there were two places in the world that they had had a drought and there was famine there, and so people were just eating comfrey. And then and and hippies, killing people. Hippies and in hippies in
2: their smoothies and, in the 60s and 70s were doing these juice fasts oh, uh, no. and did some comfrey juice fasts. And uh, yeah, that, that, changed, awesome. that changed them forever yes, in terms of uh, leading their to their death. So, so are
0: those the kind of researches that you're talking about as being some of the problematic ones?
2: Well, uh, so starting from... You? The top, I guess, we could start with what the best information is, maybe yeah. before we talk about what's the what worst. I mean, we, yeah. we talked a little bit about marketing information being really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the best sources of information are going to be um, traditional um, pharmacopoeia. so traditional information which can be distinguished from just folk use. Folk use mm-hmm. is kind of like anecdotal information we might have, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas a traditional information is going to be coming from a major established uh, traditional medical system, such as Western herbal medicine or traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurveda or Greek Arabic medicine. Those are the four dominant ones that we could argue Cherokee medicine and many other forms could be be reasonable. But here we have in those instances, we have traditional use over long periods of time by practitioners who evaluated uh, how the herbs worked with actual uh, patients and then changed The information in in their uh, in their pharmacopias over time, so that we have really a living um, method of evaluation that's gone on in some cases for millennia. In the case of Chinese medicine, yeah, Um, but at least for many hundreds of of years in any of these systems. So traditional use, um, and that could be for Western herbal medicine. Looking at um, you know, for example, the British herbal pharmacopoeia. Uh, is is all based around traditional use and i'm gonna digress a little bit here okay and say that transparency (laughs) transparency before we go into anything else if the if the sources aren't listed and we're looking at does this herb do that um it's worth nothing in my opinion Mm -hmm. i mean unless you really trust the person you're talking to right um we want references we want to know why we believe what we believe right that's Mm -hmm. That's Otherwise, important. it's just good story, yeah. bro. Right. Yep. Right. So, so traditional use. There's scientific studies of different types. There's folk use, and there's just straight up anecdotal accounts. Um, maybe anecdotal accounts uh, are good enough for some, but I think that it's a pretty scary way to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a health and medical discipline mm-hmm. just by pure hearsay. Um, but Let's go a little bit more into traditional use. So, um, I guess beyond just talking about the four systems that we'd be looking from, we, we want to understand that that if we if we have a system, if we're getting information from um, a system like Greek Arabic medicine or Chinese medicine, um, that this information should be looked at as similarly valuable to some of the stronger scientific uh, studies. So stronger scientific studies are going to involve um, usually clinical trials uh, with actual human beings, hopefully in significant numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, those studies become stronger when there's randomization. Right. And, uh, Variety. And, and placebo. So you know, those are things we could go into more at a later time. So that's but,
0: like double-blind placebo trials are good.
2: Right? Absolutely. Okay. So even though they're using herbs in a way that traditional practitioners and a lot of herbalists wouldn't use them because they're using X herb for Y medical disease, sure, um, they can still tell us things like, you know, does echin- echinacea work for the upper respiratory infection, something like that, Right. which is how they frame them. Um, the strongest level of evidence from scientific studies would tend to be the Meta-analysis of the clinical trials, so when they take a bunch of results from these randomized controlled trials and they statistically wrap them together and they analyze them a whole bunch of clinical trials uh, at the same time, then those will be called a meta-analysis. Um, so meta-analysis evidence, as far as um, Western science is considered uh, is concerned, would kind of be the highest level of mm. evidence. Um, they're
1: fascinating to read too.
2: Yeah, they are. They're complex and fascinating. Um, So the kind of the bottom of the scientific, um, modern scientific types of studies would be the in vitro, which just means in glass Mm -hmm. studies. And that's where we have most of the herbal medicine research. And this is where I hear a lot of herb students really go way afoul. Oh, yeah. In the sense that (laughs) they read a study that shows that um, yeah, petri dish yeah some herb you know um you know cures cancer or aids uh-huh. and they don't realize that these are you know isolated cell lines um sitting in in again glass mm-hmm. um and they're not going through the, the gut they're not going through the first pass effect of the liver they're not being altered in all these fundamental ways and that the dosages are so wildly different from anything that we could get as human beings. Right. Yeah. Um, that it's they're really just the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's interesting yeah. to look at, but we can't draw that much information from right. the petri dish.
1: Now we just learned something about what the chemical
0: can do. Right. But, but does what it chemical apply? in the herb? What a chemical in the herb can do? Yeah. What a sometimes? Chemical, yeah, yeah. Generally,
2: yeah. But sometimes they'll do. It'll be the whole plant, but still, or That's at least a, the, a yeah. variety of the constituents, active, mm-hmm. so-called active constituents of the plant. Mm-hmm. But still, just in glass. Moving up in the hierarchy, they go on to the animal models or the in vivo in the mm-hmm. in the body or alive, essentially. The rat um, prisoner studies. Right, the rat prisoner studies or the yeah, the Weisser rats or the mm-hmm. rabbits or whomever. Um, yeah, eventually moving into pilot trials, which are really small clinical trials, usually uh, you know, maybe 20, 30 people. Um, and then eventually going into different phases of clinical trials. Um, from phase one to two and three and so on. Um, so as they go up in order, the, the evidence gets stronger. Um, but what's interesting to do for the herbalist is to try to triangulate evidence, I think. So In that, what I mean by that is that we can see, in the ideal world, we could see, okay, there's traditional use. Maybe I looked at um, you know Daniel Moerman's site on Native American ethnobotany and it taught me that Echinacea uh, was used by certain American Indian um, indigenous tribes for a snake bite.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: then maybe I could see if there is, um, you know, a plausible mechanism that we might see from an in vitro study of which that where that would make sense, where there's some immune modulating or um, effect that could be used, that could be shown to have a mechanism topically. Mm-hmm. And then maybe if we we're lucky in the real world, we wouldn't be so lucky, but, you know, there'd be a clinical trial and that could validate this effect too. Mm-hmm. Um, but really uh, there's very little motivation for um, clinical trials to be done on herbs because they can't be patented. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, remain often, um, you know, invalidated by contemporary science. So again, back to yeah. traditional pharmacopoeias. like
0: Yeah. I was yeah. Saying, then you go back to other, See how echinacea was used in other traditionals, other traditions. And hopefully
1: you have a good report of that. Because I've sure seen a lot of bad reporting of, oh, yeah, this traditional society used it in this way. Did they? Did they really? Or did you just, you know, white anthropologists come in and and make a blundering assumption and write it down? And because people have constantly been reprinting what you said, now it's considered an established truth. But you go back and do actual anthropology and come to find out that society had... Did not use it in that way, you right. just and had some sure. lying, yeah. lying to the
2: colonists for good yeah. reason. Exactly. Take a bunch of racist yeah, jurors. circular journalism. Yeah. I, was, you know, mildly, I was actually but,
0: thinking more about you go to the traditional pharmacopoeias and sure. look it up there right. and see if there's anything that collaborates mm-hmm. with or supports mm-hmm. the supposed traditional use. Yeah, right. if you have the luxury you know. to do so, yeah.
2: Well, lots online, we could yeah. provide resources for that. As far as the ethnobotany stuff, I really do want to plug Daniel Norman, Native American Ethnobotany. Because this is it's an incredible project that that he finished largely in 2004, and it's all first and second source. Um, he's a, a very respectful mm-hmm. living anthropologist who uh, is not a racist, which mm-hmm. is a, that's know, nice. Kind of, nice, pretty yes. cool. That's pretty, pretty cool, cool. <laughs> 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 pretty cool anthropologist. I love that. I um, know they
1: made him that way. Yeah. That's great. Good yeah, to know and him. the
2: evidence is good, and it's <laughs> very. Um, so you go to that, you go check out, you know, the eclectic or physiomedicalist. um uh, pharmacopoeias of the early 20th century or late yeah. 19th century you could triangulate between those two to get some information about herbs maybe you could look it up and in um you know bensky and gambles traditional chinese materia medica mm-hmm. that's so you, what a good
1: strong tradition yeah.
2: so you can you can look at these things from different ways and you know maybe some point we could have a talk about how to search for information
0: that would online be valuable stuff like yeah. that
2: too mm-hmm. it's a really big topic we, we can't cover it all and i don't know i think time we i have. think
0: yeah we're getting close to needing to wrap it up and i think you've got enough fodder here for a very good class actually yeah oh, yeah so,
2: yeah.
0: so yeah. folks are going to be wanting to check your website to oh see yeah. when you're going to have that class up Thanks. right
2: sure sure your um,
1: vital force com. right
2: you'll
1: be are you going to have a link to their class on there
2: eventually yeah the the I've got a static page right now and I'm needing to change the website design so that I can actually change it myself, like oh. change it back to a WordPress site. So, But soon that'll happen. And yes, there should be some information there. I might make a single point about this conversation to close yes. if we can. Okay. Yes, please. About the difference between science versus scientism. I think that a lot of herbalists are really, uh, they're afraid of science in this way because we see it as uh Highly dogmatic and and um, oftentimes disrespectful and not a meaningful way to look at the kind of gestalt of what plant medicine is, which might incorporate things like you know spirit and and all sorts of more nuanced ideas. Um, But from a former professor, um, science is merely a method for gathering and organizing information from the natural environment. It's a useful tool tool for gaining new information. So scientism can be defined. Um, is basically looking at a worldview where only contemporary uh, science is thought to be a valid way of understanding the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, science itself is just a method for um, gathering information and, uh, and ascertaining its, its meaning. Yeah. So we Thank don't have to you. be totally afraid of science. That's yes. right. But Thank we do have, do have to really hate science?
0: scientism. Yes, yeah. I we agree.
2: The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, they are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis